0: You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join in the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live on a Thursday. Father James Gross and Father Jason Leffer, priests of the Diocese of Fargo, joining you from our Grand Fork studios. You know, Father Gross, we've got... Uh Rob Holt with us here. We're going to be talking to him about this incredible book about views of Calvary
1: and the gift of photography and all that. We, we, we were talking a little bit off air, just like yeah. you know, photography is kind of a kind of a lost art in a certain way. Like our iPhones and all the medium that we have now, it just blasts by. It you don't really think of it much anymore. And I it got it triggered in me. I was thinking my brother back in college. So we're talking about 1990. Would be, yeah, um, he was a senior in college and. Uh, Anyway, he got huge into photography. This was his, took a class on it and all that. And do you remember, you know, way back in the day, yeah. I mean, you, you'd take your pictures, you have a little, you'd get your roll of film, then you, you'd, you know, you'd go have it develop, you have to pay a lot of money, get developed, you have to wait three weeks for it to come back from Kmart or wait, <laughs> wherever, you dropped off your film kind of thing. Well, I remember my brother, the hardest thing about it, he was really good, he still is to this day, he's good at artistic things and all that, but you didn't have enough money as a college student. And he'd have he had all these rolls of film that he had taken. And they're just sitting there in a bowl, this huge big glass fish bowl, you know, just waiting until you had like. 15 yeah. bucks to go develop a roll of film or whatever mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. I just remember that it was kind of the whole thing like this anticipation like I think it was yes. like five years later he developed his last role or whatever and you're like I wonder what's on this role you know, kind of <laughs> yeah
0: the, you know the proliferation of this art form is something that uh, you know young people nowadays they have no idea what you're talking about if you say dark room for example you know that's a completely or how lost about uh, your story about the camera yeah yeah about 13 years ago um, I was in one of my former parish assignments and we had a baccalaureate mass and uh, one of the parents was taking photos as the students and I were posing after mass and uh, he, he he was a holdout. He still had his 35 millimeter camera which worked great you know there was nothing wrong with it virtually everybody had gone over this like 2009 or so to the uh, digital camera format and he was taking pictures and he hit the last exposure on the roll and so it immediately started to rewind and so we heard this sound <laughs> and we just cracked up laughing Because it had been already at that point So long since we had heard that And I think it really hit home How that medium has changed And nowadays and stuff. If,
1: if somebody actually did that nobody, The kids, nobody would even know Yes, what,
0: what yes, it, so. yeah, the proliferation of a changing art form And so um, maybe uh, I, I don't know if Rob is all that interested In waxing and nostalgic <laughs> As we have in the last few moments here But it's great to have you with us Rob Holtz, welcome to Real Presence Live
2: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, so um, you, you've been in the photography game for quite some time. Um, my understanding is that you had uh, been employed, uh, I think, uh, with uh, sports photography uh, for part of the time and sporting events as well.
2: Um, <clears throat> yeah, my career's taken a lot of uh, twists and turns, but it started in 1986. Right after high school, I got a job. Um at my best friend's brother's test lab. So he, he had some construction going on, needed some extra hands, and that two-month job turned into a 12-year stint at that first company. Wow. Um, and back then we were so busy um, testing products that needed photos for the reports that we ended up uh, building our own darkroom at the, test, at the test facility. But I told my boss, if you want me to be the photographer, you have to send me to school. So I took every class at the community college twice.
1: <laughs> ah, <laughs> uh, because you're a slow learner, or because you loved it so much?
0: <laughs> I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. yeah. <laughs> let, let's go with the latter, Father.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh. so I know um, as I was poking around a little bit, Rob. To, the, there's this, this. I think this is all tied up with your 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 marriage and meeting your wife and so forth. Could you could you give us a little background on that? And um, you know, just introduce us maybe you know, to your wife and her story and just how that kind of was springboard for you uh, into this art form.
2: Um, I grew up in Silicon Valley. We have a lot of churches there. So we would have a lot of uh, multi-church events. And so you'd you'd, you'd have some cross-pollination. And so in in our situation, there's two of my brothers, there's three of us that married three girls from this one church uh, down the way. Uh, We have that in, in common um but we were we were very very young she was 19 and we uh had a great life together she was a type a personality and helped shape the early uh part of my photography uh, as a business and she was very successful at that um on the business side right type a personality um but one day she she got sick and she was here one day and gone the next
0: um oh dear
2: but as she passed, I was holding her hand and as I heard that that tone, that flatline uh tone, I felt the third hand taking her hand from mine. And in that moment I saw beyond my 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 myself, my my church, my denomination, my country, my planet, I kinda saw Something I can't really describe, but it changed my life forever. And it gave me a lot of peace that night as everybody was in, in intense grief and, and pain. I had a very solid uh, peace about me uh, that I was able to, 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 to impart uh, to those that night and, and beyond.
0: Yeah. Um, how long, how long, I'm sorry, Rob, uh, how long ago uh, did this take place?
1: This is
2: 1996.
1: Oh, my. Okay. Yep. And, and but there was a springboard from this right into your into your picture taking. How what's the connection between your wife and and this uh, art that you do?
2: Well, when she passed away, I let the business fizzle out. I didn't care to to to, to shoot that way anymore. So I just got into a sunset chasing phase where every night I would uh, go to some new vista and you know, always seeking new vistas to shoot sunsets from or just to sit and soak in the sunset Um, and that journey of kind of being in that routine of going out every night and just being by myself and um, trying to be as close to heaven as I could which for me was you know soaking in the sunset till dark Um, that chasing new vistas phase led me to a cross on the hill just this random lonely cross on this remote hill and um you 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 know back then I was I mean the whole collection is shot on film and that first night when I got up there I shot this one picture that when I got to the photo lab cuz on color we had our own dark room for black and white but it's still cheaper to go to a print lab for color mm-hmm. um I this is 1996 uh so the the cost of color is coming down as these machines for mom and pop photo labs are coming online so I remember getting back to, to pick up my prints and flipping through the pack. You know that feeling. you you want to see, Like you were saying this about earlier, you want to go through those pictures. You're very excited, but then there was this one image where the rays of the sun were coming up from the mountain to the base of the cross. Um, this ridge is about 200 feet above the valley floor. And the way I was positioned, the light was coming up towards the cross. And... I, w- I was imparted with the feeling like, Rob, this is what you've been chasing. This is what you've been searching for. And I was hooked. And so that became my my place to go to. I spent over two years, maybe once a week, going back to that place. That was my secret spot, my little hiding place to be alone, to oh. contemplate and to create.
1: And what did you... So- what what was it saying to you, Rob? What was it speaking to you? What were you, what did, you know, what was, what what was the word that you were receiving and all that, or the comfort that you were receiving?
2: Well, after my wife passed and let the business fizzle, I got a day job, and each night I would go out, and I think what I was doing was avoiding the house that we were living in, so I was in this avoidance phase. Um but I'm also always searching for new places to, to be at for sunset. And what God was telling me, this was the this is the answer to your quest. You need to focus here. And so I did. I began to focus um, not just artistically but spiritually on the cross. I would take a Bible and I would read an aspect of the cross, maybe the Roman guards gambling for his clothes. And I would just meditate on that scene and try to envision in my mind as I'm sitting there at the base of the cross. Quiet by myself for a few hours each night.
1: So how many how many years did you go out there consistently and and take pictures of this cross?
2: Two and a half years, almost three years.
1: And, wow. and what was it that came out of that?
2: Um, Artistically, there was a, a very diverse collection. Part part of the story is that. People that put the cross there um, was a Christian school who was trying to claim that hill for Christ to get their, you know, the, the, the permitting for the breaking of the ground and getting started. And I found it a few months after they erected it. Point is, about a year, year and a half into me shooting, they broke ground on the construction. So when you look at this collection, you'll see the latter um, images are completely surreal. Um, the the landscape around the cross had been completely uh, moved from the last time I'd come. I mean, radically changed landscape around that same cross.
0: Sure.
2: Um, And so the connection to what I, what what it produced spiritually was um, no matter how, you know, the tectonic light plates of your life are in flux or even turn you upside down, speak... The cross. Return to the foot of the cross. That's your safe harbor. That, that, that bedrock is safe, sanctified, and sure. Right? It, it, de- it never moves. No matter how the land around your feet moves, the cross and the purpose and the promise and the message of the cross never never changes, never moves.
0: Very good. Well, we were talking with uh, Rob Holt and uh, uh, especially about um, the journey in his life that led him to the uh, set of photos that he has compiled in this book, Views of Calvary, um, a photographer's perspective of the cross through the lens of Scripture. And we'll uh, return to this conversation after a break. You're listening to Real Presence Live.
3: Slovenia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. The Gospel records in Luke chapter 4 that at the beginning of his public ministry, Jesus preaches in his hometown of Nazareth and stuns, absolutely stuns, his relatives and neighbors by his authoritative preaching. The good people of Nazareth are so taken aback that they wind up trying to throw him off a cliff and stone him. Even Jesus' capacity to perform signs and wonders was limited by the suspicions and hostile expectations of Nazareth. Not much of reception from the people who should have known him best. Now think about this. If this happened to Jesus, how much more will it happen to us as we faithfully follow in his footsteps as disciples? Do not be discouraged by sarcasm, hostility, or even persecution by family and friends. The Lord will sustain you in your Christian life, even amid persecution.
4: Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace. Power. Purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. Are all sins forgivable, even suicide? I'm Father Chris Aylar. Jesus said that there's only one unforgivable sin, the sin against the Holy Spirit. Basically, that means dying without repenting. But how can someone who dies suddenly, such as by suicide, have a chance to repent of any sins? Jesus tells St. Faustina that he comes to the soul at death and gives them three opportunities to repent. Regarding suicide, Catechism 2283 says, by ways known to him alone, God offers them the opportunity for repentance. In essence, the only unforgivable sin is not accepting the mercy of God. So to learn how to help your loved ones do just that, please visit suicideandhope.com. So I can personally pray for anyone you've lost And to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help.
0: This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. Father James Gross and Father Jason Lefford joining you from our Grand Forks studios today. Uh, T minus six days and counting until the season of Lent begins. And Ash Wednesday, we'll be uh, visiting with uh, about that a little bit later on as we're starting to anticipate what's coming up. We're this segment, we are thinking about the the beauty that nature shows us and how we are able to capture that beauty through the art of photography. As we are speaking with Rob Holt and. Uh, his book, Views of Calvary, and uh, the journey that brought him to that uh, compilation of photos and the book that he has put together. So we understand that these um, pictures um, have uh, been impacting people not only in the book that you've published, but also in in various galleries. Um, So could you give us a little bit of an insight into your experience as you've been sharing these photos with people in different parts of the country and uh, how they have experienced this? It's
2: a very interesting question, um, and one that... Most people might not expect this answer from, but I've seen um both extremes at uh gallery shows um I've had situations where uh youll you'll, you'll see somebody come into the show and or to, to that part of the gallery that say, and they see the crosses and they will viscerally like turn away immediately and walk away mm. And in my heart I feel like they are having a hard time dealing with the conviction of the Holy Spirit and they're just running from that conviction uh right. in their life. Um I've had some people um who didn't realize I was the artist wax eloquent about how stupid somebody must think that a cross a symbol of hate can be um art. He, 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 doesn't he realize that doesn't he realize that the pain that this symbol has caused? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, Rob, what you're sure, what you're sure. making me think of right now is the, uh, you know, we just came past it was February second, which was the feast of the presentation of the Christ child in the temple, and and the the prophet uh, Simeon picks up the Christ child and holds him up, and he and he says um, this, you know, basically what he says is that this this child will become a sign. Which will destined for the rise and fall of many, right, and, w- yeah w- Where every will, it will be a sign which people will speak against, and it will expose the hearts of everyone. Some of those, when they look at the sign, meaning the his body on the cross, mm-hmm. will be cast down, and others will be raised up. But I, I think you know what you are describing to us there, and the effect that your arts having is it, it brings conviction. So it either it exposes our hearts, like we can't. You can't not have a reaction to the cross, right? You're, it's it's either going to cause you to see love, or it's going to cause you to see hate, and I, I think that's what you're. You, and apparently, you've you've seen that in your your gallery showings. Well,
2: the one that had the the big the biggest contrast was while the this one group was going on and on about how how stupid I was, even though they didn't realize I was the one listening, right? They didn't they didn't mm-hmm. connect to me. But uh, this other gentleman walks in, who is a friend of mine from that test industry, and uh, he walks in to the hallway where the crosses are, and he gets to about the third one, and he he puts his head in his hands while still standing. But his head is in his hands, and he's sobbing. And that's when I realized it doesn't matter what anybody says. That's art. In in CCC 2502, to me, that's sacred art, if I can... If I can um, bring someone to to tears. When I've had craft fairs, I've had the same reaction where people don't want to even look at the crosses, and I've had at least one person per craft fair come in my booth and cry. Something hits them. Um, When I was first putting the collection for the gallery show together, at at the day job that I had back then, there was this accountant whose father was a pastor, but she's an atheist. She's just anti-church. But to, because I'm her friend, she came to my first show, and she started crying—not from the images, but for the the name. Something about the name of one of the images uh, made her cry. So um, each cross has a name, like the burning, the separation, the power, the declaration, the refinement.
0: Um, hmm. Okay. Can,
1: can you can Describe for our <laughs> listeners, Rob, how how is the book set up? Because I know there's there's an image and then there's there's a meditation. So how walk us through a little bit about the, the format for the book and why people might be interested in, in having this as part of their collection. Yeah, so
2: um each chapter there's thirty one chapters. Um each chapter starts off with an image and the name of that image sets the tone for that chapter. So the image of the declaration chapter eight that's that's the name of the the, the chapter and it starts off with the scripture declare his glory among the nations his wonders among all people psalm 96 3 and then the whole devotion is talking about the cross and jesus through through the through the the frequency of that prism of the word the declaration so I, i or it's about the power or it's about a breakthrough, right? So I talk in the chapter of the breakthrough about maybe the breakthrough that you're looking for in your life isn't financial or physical, but what if the breakthrough you're you're seeking is really inside of you? Wow. Well, okay. And so each each chapter kind of gives you a different perspective on uh, on different terms, and so you have it, it could be the dispensation, right? And so. At the end of each devotion, there is then an excerpt from a saint, right? A quote from a saint, or an excerpt from an old hymn that kind of ties in with the, the name of that chapter. So there's like four components to it, each
0: mm-hmm. chapter. What I'm wondering here is, as you're describing the example of that, that one chapter, and you think about this work as a whole that you put together, how has it uh, impacted your own relationship with Christ and, and your prayer life?
2: Well, that's a, a great question, and it kind of t- turns us into how I've been re- repotted in Catholic soil. Um, so my current wife when I met her it didn't matter to me that she was Catholic I just was in love with her <laughs> and I mm-hmm. felt called to, 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 to make her my wife and we have two beautiful girls right now um, but that process of being a a, 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 a a father of kids at a Catholic school it kind of it, it led me to become a knight and to go to RCIA and it was at okay. RCIA. It was at RCIA that I took very seriously. That I really, I really grappled with a lot of things, not just um, you know Protestant versus Catholic ideologies, but about me and where I was and why I felt I was um, struggling with with you know finances and and asking God, you know, why am I struggling here? And and the answers that I was hearing were something I didn't really want to hear, and that was the point. I was avoiding. Some things in my life. Well, I was never bitter at losing my first wife. I, I found I was avoiding. Mm. That makes sense. And sure. RCIA RCIA helped me really push through that. And one of the catechists was explaining to me the um, the verse about you know I'm the vine, you are the branches, and every uh, branch that does not bear fruit, I'd be cast off and thrown to the fire. And it wasn't the motivation of being cast in the fire as much as if I get cast off, then I won't be able to provide that nutrition to my daughters. I need to be grafted and having Jesus flowing through me to be the proper husband or father, right? So I chose to quit chasing assignments and focus my energy on ministry. So I took the bushels off the cross collection. I've been working on um using my talents for God since RCA and my confirmation.
1: And what, so what effect has, have you found that in your, in your marriage and for your business now that you've had that reorientation? What, what does it look like or feel like? Has it, has it been worth it?
2: Oh, tremendously, yes. For, for my family, um, it, it it's been tremendous, um, to to, to, to to not just avoid things personally but think avoid things that, that your kids need. It, it helps me be more in the present, knowing that um, every morning I die to myself and I ask God to help me with to be aware of divine appointments. And that could be your 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 child needing your time. I wanted to ask your question, right? Someone at the at the grocery store asking you for help and, and realizing that's a maybe a divine appointment. And staying aware. And it's, 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 it's affected every every aspect of my life. As far as my business, I really see this more as a ministry. Um, the versperations that I make, which is images with verses on them, I have, gosh, close to 400 of those. I don't sell them. I just use them to inspire people, and I send them out to, to a group of people every week. Um, so I, I really am trying to do my best to share the gospel through imagery and the spoken word and the written.
0: Yeah. Well, as fun as... Uh... Uh, being on the sidelines at uh, basketball and football arenas uh, may have been. Uh, I'm sure this is all the more rewarding to you to um, uh, to to see and to capture what the Lord is showing you uh, at the foot of His cross. So, uh, Rob, uh, thank you very much for for taking this time and and for uh, sharing uh, some of that uh, some of that background with us of how you've uh, come to this ministry. Um, if people want to um, uh, learn more uh, about you and and about uh, some of your publications, where should they go?
2: It's robholt.com.
0: Very good. Okay, Rob Holt, uh, blessings to you on your um, uh, ministry and to your family, and thanks for taking the time to visit with us today. And May God keep you both in his perfect peace. Thank, Thank you, you, brother. Appreciate it. Wow, that was a the, the neat, uh, neat revelation of uh, ways in which um, the, the, the Holy Spirit is, is truly at work in, in our brothers and sisters. So we're going to be stepping aside in just a moment here. When you think of uh, bioethics... Uh, it may seem like um, uh, a murky sort of subject, but it's diving into the heart of a lot of big decisions that we have to make in, in, in our lives. So um, we're going to have a great conversation coming up at the beginning of the next hour with one of the leading, I would say, bioethics scholars um, in the church in the United States, Father, T- Father Ted. A whole chick. And um, I think I'm pretty close in the pronunciation of his last name. It's about as uh, ethnic as so many of the names in this part of our uh, listening area. <laughs> Um, But uh, we're really looking forward to having this conversation, particularly about the honoring of our deceased brothers and sisters with regard to Catholic funeral rites and some of the obstacles that we may be running into, how we can work ahead and be proactive in honoring the Lord after death and not just during life. So that conversation and more coming up in the uh, second hour of Real Presence Live. We'll be right back after this.